Hey guys, want to keep up with WMQ Comics but generally avoid social media because it's a forever burning trash fire? Sign up for the weekly Q newsletter and get all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and planal views emailed directly to your inbox once a week. You'll get links to all our original content, WMQ&A, bonus reading, Joshua Bermont's reviews, our See You Next Wednesday previews, without the nagging feeling the human race is better off being wiped out by a giant asteroid. Just go to WMQComics.com and fill out the field on the right-hand side with their email address. Do it today. WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week we're chatting with Matt Haggerty, a name you're going to be hearing a lot more from in the next couple years. Uh, Matt's got a middle grade graphic novel coming out from Oni Press in the fall called Unplugged and Unpopular, about a girl whose parents ban her from screens and how the extra time allows her to uncover an alien conspiracy. Uh, he worked on that with artists Tintin Pantoja and Mike Amante. He's also got Martian Ghost Centaur coming out from Lion Forge in 2020 and a Jay Walker's Journal in 2021 from Oni. Uh, we talk about all of that. We talk about how uh, the comics and graphic novel market for younger readers has evolved in recent years. Uh, we talk about how Marvel can better market the X-Men to tweens. And we talk about how Cannonball is the best X-Boy. Uh, but let's talk about what's going on over at WMQComics.com. We are in busy, exciting times. Uh, Matt Lazowitz and I are going to be doing a couple live shows coming up this spring. We're going to be hosting a live panel at Camden Comic Con on April 27th at Rutgers University in Camden, New Jersey. We're going to be chatting with the legendary Jerry Conway, co-creator of The Punisher, Firestorm, and Jason Todd, killer of Gwen Stacy, that Jerry Conway. Uh, then the following Saturday, May 4th, is Free Comic Book Day, and we are taking our show all the way to North Jersey to Dewey's Comic City in Madison, where we're going to get to know some of the graduates of the famed Kubert School and say hi to friend of the show and Dewey's owner, Anthony Marquis. So if you're around on those dates, please come find us and say hi. Uh, in the meantime, there's plenty going on on the site as well. Last week, we debuted Will Nevin's Wednesday Warriors column, which this week will center on the conclusion of Alex Pacnadel and Martin Simmons' Friendo, along with a roundup of DC books, some other mini-reviews, and, as always, a bourbon. Uh, Joshua Bermont will review Kyle Starks and Erica Henderson's Assassination Number 1 from Image, and new WMQ contributor Dan McMahon will look at Justice League Dark Number 9 from DC. Uh, meanwhile, Andrew Magazoo has returned to explain what IDW can learn from the past 15 years, almost 15 years, of uh, Transformers as it prepares to reboot the franchise this week. And uh, Matt Lazowitz's bonus reading will look at four of his favorite Ms. Marvel stories. Wow, that is a lot of stuff when I'm looking at it all in one place. But uh, you came here for a podcast, so let's get to that. Uh, here are me and Matt with two T's and Matt with one T. So, uh, Matt, I'll start with our, uh, our typical icebreaker question. Uh, what comics do you remember reading when you first got into the medium? Um, so, definitely right away, I was one of the X-Men, uh, like, like Jim Lee's X-Men relaunch. Um, mm -hmm. That was just huge for me. That was everywhere. And then I got into Image uh, soon after that, not too long after. Um, I liked all the Image stuff. Um, and then later on, there was a lot of DC. I switched way more towards DC. I loved Young Justice. Um, loved the Titans in the in an era where I don't think anyone really loved <laughs> the Titans. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was, that was my kind of start. Awesome. Um, you know, is it, has there, and I'm going to put this to both Matt's actually on the Titans question. Has, has there been like a second golden era of Titans since like the Wolfman Perez run in the eighties? 
Um, I think the Johns McCone stuff was very well received. Uh, I mean, it it's probably the closest there's been because I mean the the Wolfman era remained really solid until probably Titans Hunt. And your mileage may vary on whether or not the beginning or the end of Titans Hunt, which was a year and change long monster epic that wound up completely restructuring the team, is the uh, b- the part where the series went bad. Sorry, I interrupted that in the middle. But whether Titans Hunt was the thing that the beginning of it is where it went bad or the end, and then. Yeah, I think probably the Johns McCone stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. The John stuff was was great. It just felt. I feel like that also felt like it was harkening back so much to uh, what what had ha- been done before. So it was great. But I I wonder how uh, like groundbreaking it was. I think there's been a while since there's been like a groundbreaking Titans. Yeah. Yeah. The the Titans unfortunately is one of those series that had this one sort of defining arc and everything since has so lived in its shadow mm-hmm. uh, being Judas Contract that it it never quite has lived up to that as the defining story. That I mean, if you look at it, I mean, similar things I think happened with Daredevil. If you look at uh, Born Again or a lot of Frank Miller, I mean, Frank Miller's Batman too. It's it took years for the Batman and Daredevil to be something other than the Frank Miller interpretation reinterpreted by other writers and artists and a lot of it feels like with titans the number of times the titans have had a traitor in their ranks now granted every superhero team does that but the titans do it with a frightening regularity <laughs> true. <laughs> Very true yeah but um uh matt you're here because you've got a graphic novel coming out this fall from oni uh unplugged and unpopular uh, about a seventh grader who gets banned from uh, screens and as a result uncovers an alien conspiracy. Uh, curious, because the book obviously is not coming out to the fall. Uh, you know, what what stage is it in uh, now? Is it basically all over but the waiting for you? Or, you know, what's what's left to be done at this point since it's been announced? Um, the last chapter is being colored right now um, by Mike Amante. Um, and it's maybe like 10 pages left for that to be done. Um, but everything else, Tintin Pinto has finished uh, line art, and um, Hassan Atman Alahu has uh, done all the letters. Uh, so we're really just—it's just a matter of waiting for that, some initial design or some final design stuff, and and yeah, it's up for pre-order, and it's all like close to real after a very long time. I'm really excited. That's that's awesome. Um, you know, this—is uh, it—is this like your first kind of? Is this, is this your first OGN? Um, yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I did I did a series uh, for uh, Action Lab back in the day called uh, Just Another Sheep. Um, and that, while it was standalone issues, I mean, the structure and everything was very much like a uh, like an OGN. Um, it was broken into five chapters, but it, it very much was a 
conclusion, you know, that not your ongoing. And then, uh, you know, you've also got a whole bunch of stuff going on kind of farther down the line. Uh, uh, line for Joe Gian called uh, Martian Ghost coming out in 2020, uh, Jay Walker's Journal, possibly 2021 from Oni. And then uh, I think the other day I saw uh, another Line Forge project called Indoor Kid for uh, 2021. Uh, so you've got, you've got your next couple of years are pretty uh, well planned out, it seems like. Yeah, that, that's the, the funny thing about doing these uh, longer form projects and just how long they, they kind of take. Um, so many of these have been going for a long time. I submitted into, uh, only did an open submission back in, uh, 2015. And that's where in, uh, uh, unplugged and unpopular got picked up. Um, and it's been since then to now, uh, for it to be finished. Granted, there was a good period of time that was, you know, them figuring me out and us working on script, uh, a little more, but they usually take about like two part, two years, two and a half years for projects. So it's, uh, it's funny. I'm, I'm very, I'm fully done writing Martian Ghost Centaur, fully done with uh, a Jay Walker's journal. Uh, so it's just uh, waiting on my awesome, awesome collaborators to, uh, to do their, their parts, you know, <laughs> their big parts, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> much bigger parts. <laughs> um. 2015. I mean, that, that, that's a, that's a very long, uh, that, that feels like a, like a pretty long timetable. Uh, you know, I guess as, as habitual comics readers, I think, especially older generations, obviously, you know, we're, we're trained to think in that sort of three month announce solicit final order cutoff by cycle. But as the industry continues to sort of gently merge into the, the, the bookstore, the OGN lane, you know, there's this whole other cycle whose mechanics we're just starting to learn about. So, uh, you know, with un- in the case of Unplugged and Unpopular, you know, uh, we've talked a little bit about kind of so like in 2015 when when you know you and Oni first kind of first came together on this, like what stage was that? Just a concept at that point? Had you had sort of like you know a proof of concept script or or you know what what I guess I guess when exactly was the moment of conception for this book? Sure. So so when I approached Oni, it was a true, it was a writer only pitch. And it was just, um, you know, I had a log line, I had a outline and some sample script to kind of show like, Hey, I, I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know? Um, and then from that point, uh, Robin Herrera, uh, my editor contacted me and then we kind of worked on it a while. It wasn't really sure if it was if it was going to get taken or not, which is something I've experienced since then. I think that this is, that's a pretty normal process, you know, like they're like, okay, we'll take this into editorial. We'll look at it, see if we, it can work for us. And then there was the stage where it's like, let's look at some artists for it. And then it started to become more real. And then, um, uh, we found Tintin right away. Perfect, uh, for it. And, yeah, that, that was kind of the early, the early stage of it. Then from there, you know, it was um, a matter of took a little bit to, to get the ball rolling. Uh, people were finishing up other projects and everything. Uh, and then really, really got started in uh, 2016. So it's been quite a while. <laughs> um, 
you mentioned kind of working with Oni to find uh, an artist for this book, uh, you know, landing on Tintin. Uh, generally, for all these projects, you know, how have you found yourself, you know, paired with these artists? Um, for actually all of these, it, <laughs> it's very different from what I was used to with uh, making shorter comics and pitches before. I always came in with artists. I always had an idea. But for all of these, um, it's been uh, just me coming in with a concept to these uh, companies and like a, you know, a, a pitch and overview uh, kind of what I'd like to achieve with the book, who I think it would work for. Um, and then we then talk about artists a little bit later on down the road, who they would like and who I would like. We, I bring up some names, but really it kind of falls, falls a little more on the, on them. You know, I, it, they're open to any suggestion I have, but, uh, they they come in really knowing like oh we think that this artist would be great for this book and you know i've yet to be <laughs> i've yet to disagree <laughs> <laughs> they've all been pretty great all of the suggestions so and in the meantime you've kind of you've gotten a little bit into drawing yourself right yeah i i've i've always drawn i just uh i could never and um i don't think i'd ever be able to handle uh what Tintin or some of my other collaborators are able to do it's just uh, the the pure man hours too I just don't know I I care for my daughter during the day and then I bartend at night I just don't know where on earth I would ever get the time to get my chops up but I love it so I I do draw a lot and then when I can I think one of my big goals coming like in the coming year is to work on some uh you know, heavily illustrated prose. I think that maybe I could handle. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, these 150, 200 page books, I think would be something that uh, it would, I'd have a book coming out in 2025 or 2027, <laughs> you know, at that point. <laughs> um, at, at 150 pages in an OGN, how, how many pages is that like script wise? Um, About 100, 150. I try to oh, keep... Okay. Uh, I try and keep uh, pages like, uh, you know, so sometimes I, I spill over and cert certain books require more, but I try and keep a page per script. Mm -hmm. um, that said, there's every once in a while that page that just is insane and it's every single, it, <laughs> you're going from location to location to location and really need to elaborate, but I definitely don't Alan Moore it. I, I don't have, uh, <laughs> his are beautiful and wonderful to read, but uh, I don't. I don't know how many artists would appreciate that, especially from a, a, a newbie like myself. <laughs> you know, it's 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 awesome on uh, Unplugged and Unpopular getting to work with uh, Hassan. You know, um, I don't know. Have you gotten to read any of his uh, of uh, Panel X Panel at all? His magazine? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I love it. It's it's so good. When um when we first um, mentioned uh, who could possibly let her, and he was in there, I'm like, yes, definitely. <laughs> I I love. Love panel, X panel, and uh, I haven't I haven't actually seen his um his YouTube channel. I really gotta get around get around to it, but I've heard great things too. It's it's really good. I watched one for uh, he did one about the the structure in the first issue of the Seeds that uh, Dark Horse series. Uh, Anasenti and David Aha, it's, it was brilliant. Cool. cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to look at it. He's such, such a nice guy. Soup and very very good at what he does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I certainly don't know him personally at all, but he, he strikes me as, as the sort of person who's like the smartest man in whatever room he's in. 
<laughs> I think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so tell me a little bit about uh, some of these other other projects. Uh, you know, you've got uh, kind of down the line. I'm I'm obviously I'm intrigued by Martian Ghost Centaur because you know those those three words mushed together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I see. I don't think I can talk too much about the overall. Sure, sure. I think that the companies kind of want, especially Oni, um, with uh, Jay Walker Journal. Mm -hmm. um, they want to kind of have me be a little quiet on it. I definitely can talk about the awesome people I'm working on them with. That'd be great. Um, yeah, um, Martian Ghost Centaur is uh, my only YA book that I'm uh, doing currently. Mm -hmm. um, it's really fun, and I'm working with uh, Steph Mitted, um, who has done a, a webcomic called Jet Black that's so, so good. Um, and we're we're really excited. It's on the Roar imprint, and it should be early 2020, we're hoping. <laughs> um, then Indoor Kid is the one that just just got um, like finalized, and that mm -hmm. should be in 2021. That's a middle-grade story. And on the Caracol imprint mm -hmm. of Lionforge, and that's with uh, Lisa Dubois, um, who had done like, Rugrats, uh, some work on Rugrats before. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that one's. I think I can say say it's a it's a sports, uh, um, one which is really fun for me as so, someone who's been like a fan of sports but is awful at them. Uh, so <laughs> kind of fun to like like genuinely awful. I might be one of the worst athletes in the world, so kind of fun. <laughs> uh what is your what is your sports poison in terms of of being a fan of them, <laughs> if uh, not playing playing basketball? Okay, uh, I, yeah, I love basketball. I grew up in um, uh, Massachusetts, um, and uh, just it was such a part of like sports in general, or such a part of the culture there. But mm -hmm. I was a big Celtics fan, and now I live in the Bay Area, and I've gotten to see the Golden State Warriors do what they do, and that's been really, really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you are spoiled for NBA teams. <laughs> I but I've been yeah I've been spoiled for all of it. I lived in Boston through uh, when the when um, the Bruins were doing great. I lived there when the Red Sox were were doing awesome, and then I moved over right when uh, San Francisco has had a a pretty good stretch <laughs> around here. So been kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but then um the the other book uh, Jay Walker's Journal I'm working with uh. Nat Huffstutler, who is the only person who's like local to me, so that's really fun. She lives in the Bay as well, so I've gotten to see her as we worked on uh, that book, which I'm super excited about. Have you guys actually had like in-person idea bouncing sessions? Yeah. Um, well, I I shouldn't say necessarily idea bouncing section. A lot of that just happens over email. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but we have had. Uh, she came to the bar I work at. I had a. Um, like a comics meetup and we got to uh hang out there for a little bit and we've met met up a couple other times but it's really nice because it, it's it's odd making comics with people that you don't uh see on a regular basis or don't really have a a face to it's a little it's definitely i i love it and i'm getting used to it but you know tintin's in the philippines i've i've never met her and we've been working together for <laughs> for four years five years <laughs> you know Comics is all long distance relationships. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, what what is sort of the you know what what is the how is the comics culture I guess out in uh, San Francisco? 
you know, it's good. Um, I think there's less creators than before. Um, I think a lot of cities have this problem, but mm-hmm. San Francisco's gotten very, very, very expensive mm-hmm. uh, with the tech boom. Um, the kind of second one. And with with it, you just see a ton of people, understandably so, uh, moving to more afford- slightly more affordable places, which is actually anywhere mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> right now <laughs> than San Francisco. San Francisco got really bad. Um, so it's it's good, but I think you see a lot more younger uh, creators around because mm-hmm. I think a lot of older ones, once people start having families, are more likely to move a little further outside. But um, that said, like, you know, uh, Justin uh, Greenwood's here. Um, Brian Shermer, who uh, has a, a great book coming out called Fair Lady from Image. Yeah. Uh, oh, I can't area. wait for that book. Oh, it's it's so good. I got to read uh, the first um, the first four issues. And it's such a smart idea. Like the idea of going to standalone um, issues uh, for an overall arcing series is just just completely the right idea for a writer with only a couple projects under their belt. I, like you can give them a chance on issue five, you know, and you won't have to have read anything. And it's wonderful. <laughs> Highly recommend. I saw the pitch for that book and I was immediately like, hmm, okay, uh, a series of standalone fair play mysteries set in a fantasy world? Okay, so this has Matt written all, my, uh, Matt Lazarus, <laughs> co-host Matt, <laughs> written oh. all over it. Yeah, that one is really a softball right across the plate for me. <laughs> <laughs> the art is beautiful, too. It's like, uh, Marissa, we say, does the colors and but she is, like, definitely top of her game. I feel like her name doesn't get mentioned enough when people are talking about like great colorists around right now because she has such a distinct uh, style that really can just transform it for the sake of sounding cheesy transform a book it can really make it you know but I I think people will like that book. <laughs> that's great um I did. Uh, I think I saw on your website just a little bit. Uh, yeah, you know, I know you can't go into too much depth, but with Jay Walker's journal, that one's a little bit more semi-autobiographical, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Um, about uh, uh, me when I was in uh, middle school. Yeah, and it's uh, it has to be a truly semi-autobiographical. I mean, a, a bunch of it really is uh, true to um, true to my middle school experience, but. <laughs> I definitely did the merge like three friends into one, uh, (laughs) you know, and like there's, there's a villain when there really wasn't a villain, you know, there was, there was people I didn't like, but I wouldn't have called them outright uh, (laughs) the villains, but uh, you know, you kind of need to make stories a little, a little more dramatic. (laughs) Certainly. Um, What the, uh, you know what? What is it? What is it that kind of attracts you to the the the, the middle grade, uh, you know, YA uh, field in particular? You know, I when I first started off, I was I wasn't doing that really. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't doing too many like early reader or kids projects or anything like that. Um, and but I was always reading them. I was always like I got so excited. I like discovered. Raina right away when she was first kind of coming up and then I same thing with uh Jeff Kinney and Diary of a Wimpy Kid and they just always spoke to me always 
always excited about it. Um, and then once I kind of finally switched out, I don't feel like I truly like found my voice. I'm, I'm like an eternally happy, smiley person who like <laughs> doesn't, doesn't really do too much the doom and gloom. And I was trying to write these stories that just weren't me. Um, and I, once I switched actually unplugged and unpopular was my first ever pitch that I made for a, um, for younger readers in any way. And it was like, Oh wait, this is it. This feels right. Like everything just seemed to fall into place. Um, and then, you know, right around that time too, I was, I had my daughter. Well, my wife had my daughter. <laughs> I was part of it. Uh, um, and then my focus even, even more switched to that. Cause like the idea of being able to uh, give a book to her and have her understand it at a younger age to be, maybe teach a lesson I don't want to I don't want to be one of those like preachy writers but if something could sneak through that'd be cool uh some some things about how I feel about the world um and then yeah it was just um uh, it just kind of all felt right it felt like it was the right move <laughs> your daughter what is she what is she into in terms of reading have you kind of have you introduced her to to uh you know comics or 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 you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, slowly. I'm trying not to like be too, I don't, don't want to push anything on her. Right. I let her Certainly. Be, be, her, be her own uh, person, but uh, she's definitely making me happy with her choices when we're, <laughs> when we're at a uh, comic shop, it's always funny uh, what she gravitates towards. She's really now like just now getting into uh, DC superhero girls. <laughs> she's, she's four, but she's, uh, she actually, reads she she really presses me she's she's doing great with with that already so she's always had all sorts of books around and has been very into it but um yeah she she anything that has princesses in it too is a huge hit so some of those disney um the disney comics that idw has been doing um she's like too it's probably a couple of years out of the gate or up ahead but if you've never read it, uh, Jeremy Whitley's Princeless. Oh, I love some, it so yeah. good. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a great book. So I just, it Back in my comic shop days, that was anytime a parent came in, it's like, my daughter really loved princesses. It's like, well, let me give you the most subversive princess thing <laughs> I can think of. Yeah, it's, it's so good. And so many good people have worked on that book over the years, too, like on, on different uh, versions of it. He really has found good people to work with. It's a really, really impressive. <laughs> my, uh, my favorite story related to Princeless, not necessarily a story within the book itself, but the, the whole idea that he, uh, Jeremy had a, like his art, an artist drop out for whatever reason on Raven. And, uh, basically that's the origin story for Ted Brandt and Rose Stein. They just like threw something together at like the last minute uh, to, to get hired and now they're doing crowded on, uh, from image and they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, they are for, oh. for sure. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I think as, as parents and, and specifically as, as parents who grew up collecting comics, you know, there are, there's definitely challenges in kind of in, introducing while, while certainly not trying to push, you know, kids, uh, into the medium, um, 
you know, uh, my son, uh, who's seven, you know, loves Spider-Man and, you know, certainly his, his father and his uncle Matt <laughs> have, uh, fostered his love of comics. But, uh, I, I, I gotta say in terms of like, gotta catch them all type collecting, he is, he's all about that dog, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's it. My, my daughter actually, uh, Raina's above her, but I would say <laughs> I can't believe how many times she's opened up a ghost and gone through and just read the sound effects and like she just is so drawn to it like uh so unbelievably drawn to it and like we'll try we'll try and read through it and i i she's not really there yet sure um, yeah but but uh yeah it's it's cool because there's more options than ever really um yeah it's there's more different flavors so i think it's going to be i want her to love comics if she never i mean i like superheroes i, I have like spider-man tattooed on me <laughs> i like <laughs> like it but i'm but i also like i'd say the majority of the comics i read are not superhero i i could probably go two three months without reading one um but it's the the genre or the medium sorry mm-hmm. um that i want her to discover because there's so much creativity and so much so much that you have to do while reading it that I don't think, I don't think anything else really does as well. (laughs) No, absolutely. You know, it comes with its own literacy and you know, that is, that is one thing that is great about the medium now is that there are more choices, you know, uh, for, for people in general, but you know, uh, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, would your daughter have the same amount of choices? No, yeah, not not at all. Yeah, I mean, there'd be, I'd be like, hey, look, bone, and it's great. It's the bone's <laughs> unbelievable, but that it would have been, you know, pretty much that, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I think it's Reina Telgemar. That's really kind of where that exploded. Yeah, I, I think I think you could. Been, I think I'll, I think other people were were doing it at a similar time, but she just. She just skyrocketed, yeah. Um, Kazu is obviously very, very, oh. very important for it too. Uh, he's oh. like the other half of the coin. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and Vera or Vera Brostal is kind of only has a couple books under her belt, but I think she's a hugely important part of what's happening with Anya. Anya's ghost was big, I think, in like letting people maybe think of, of YA uh, comics a little more seriously. Um, Have you ever read uh, Jimmy Gownley's Amelia Rules? No, I haven't, actually. I haven't heard of that. Uh, There's, I think, eight volumes. I was reading it initially when he was doing it in floppies, and about halfway through the series, it switched to OGN only. I think it's... They're out from Scholastic nowadays... Um, I need to, I, I would do not quote me on that, but it's, you know, very slice of life girls, parents split up. She and her mom go to live in a small town and she makes new friends and it's, you know, she's a, a tween. It's real. It, it was really solid and the single issues were coming out probably in the early 2000s so before the 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 medium or the the genre the YA genre broke big 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's really enjoyable. Um, a really fun series if you get the chance to track it down. I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, bookstore sales nowadays. But those early issues that were uh, singles, I remember I discovered it through Free Comic Book Day way back oh. when there was a, a FCBD issue from a publisher. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check it out. Luckily, I have a lot of very, very good comic shops around here, so I'll <laughs> I'll find it for sure. That's cool. Uh, you know, one thing about uh, Raina, Queen Raina, <laughs> that <laughs> I learned just yesterday, uh, thanks to a tweet of yours, I had no idea she had written, like, X-Men manga OGN type stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she did. She There was, like, a... I don't know why it was abandoned. It was really fun. Uh, but she wrote some like, yeah, X-Men, X-Men manga that was like maybe in, I want to say like 2005 or so. So before, before she, her name had like the, the weight it does now. Um, but there was never a second volume. They just did, did one. It was like Iceman and pirate. It's really, really fun. <laughs> it's a fun book. Um, but we, yeah, it, in that tweet, what I was, I was uh, kind of saying is, man, I wish that they would do some X-Men in the middle grade space. Uh, and I don't know if they will. I, I had some people explain very clearly why it wouldn't make sense to them and it, for Marvel to do it. But uh, I wish they would. <laughs> yeah, that, that leaves me scratching my head. I, I, I just it. Yeah, I don't get why that. I mean, I'm, I guess if it was explained clearly to you, but I haven't read those tweets. But I just don't see it, there's. I don't see a lose in that situation for them. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you. I'm. I'm confused on. I was so excited when uh, I know that the news of IDW doing some handling some of the the uh, middle grade stuff seemed confusing to everybody. But I got it. Like they've had they they've had success with licenses and it's a different just a different beast so they were like oh these these people seem to get uh a younger audience so they they tried but what i don't understand is why um you know you have your spider-man uh title there but why really sit in in monthlies when we're seeing that really uh those readers the ones that they could could be gathering and getting into comics they get they get everything in bookstores and they get everything in trade. That's really, that's it for them is like the, that graphic novel format. Um, so, and X-Men's just a no brainer, 13 year olds, uh, <laughs> 13 year olds who get powers at puberty. And like, it's all about, you know, acceptance and a world that doesn't understand you. I, I couldn't think of anything that's more prime for middle, middle grade. You know. I mean, we all got into the X Men right around that age, thanks to X Men the animated series. So, sure. it's yeah. it's yeah. And there's no there's no series right now. There's no um, X Men Evolution. There's no uh, no no anything. You know, there's like a break in it. Maybe that will change with uh, this weird uh, Ultra Company that's happening. With Fox and- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I have to believe that, you know, in the, I don't know, however many years that Disney and Fox were negotiating all this, 
whatever expansion of the brand there was just kind of got held hostage. And you, you see that now with the movies and with what's, you know, how many times are they going to push back new mutants, et cetera. You know, like if this at all, if this was a non-factor, I, I, I have to imagine that at some point, I don't know, we have to see what DC Inc. and DC Zoom do, but if they prove to be successes, you know, maybe Marvel looks at that and says, oh, yeah, I guess we should be doing this, you know. Yeah, I, I think they'll be the they'll be the test market because if you know if Raven Raven seems to me to be one of the ones that w- that looks more standouty. Maybe it's the Titans thing, but I I seem to be seeing that that a lot. Um, if they, if a hit or two comes out of it, I couldn't imagine it would make sense for them to just try that format a little bit. But hopefully they'll put uh, the artists' names next to uh, the writers' names because that's really an odd move on that behalf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that does seem tricky. I mean, the graphic novels that show up in the bookstores, I mean, just they all have both names. I think there's that strikes me almost as corporate mind speak. That's the the people who don't get how important it is to have both names and how important the whole package is and how many books people buy because of uh, uh, the artist, you know, I, like uh, <laughs> that's just kind of, that's kind of goofy. It's like uh, m- many pe- many books I buy, I buy because of the artist and it's like, Oh, it's nice that that person's writing it, but it's like, I want to see what that artist is doing. So yeah, it's kind of uh, interesting the decision. And I'm sure I'm sure there was lots of board meetings about it. <laughs> I mean, it's also funny in an age where it's like, it's a no brainer to put colorists and letters on the covers of books. Now, like we're starting to, you know, we're starting to get more people to respect sort of every step in the process. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but, um, you know, there, there was one thing in the replies to that Twitter conversation, uh, where I think I think you would, you would, you had said you'd write one of those X Men OGNs if you could do Cannonball, which uh, is a very easy way to get on the short list of my favorite people ever. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I I love I love Cannonball. Like uh, I can say my pitch already because I don't think anyone's ever gonna let me do it. But basically, if I could do a story with uh, you know Sam and his whole family in their kind of early beginnings in a town i just feel that there's so there's so many fun stories that could be told with like a uh almost lemire lens on it i don't know uh, it would be fun that'd be really fun um but yeah i've always lo- i've always loved cannonball i he's just so so visually fun too the, the thing about sam for me is that like He's not. A, he's not a character a ton of people know how to write well because people forget that he is his generation Cyclops. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think. I also am an unabashed fan of Cannonball. I think he's fascinating because this is a guy who was mentored by Xavier, by Magneto, and by Cable. He has seen that mutant paradigm from every angle. Yeah, that, that that's really interesting. I never thought about that. Actually, he's had he's had all, he's trained under all of them. That's so cool. <laughs> and Pete Wisdom during the end of X X Force too. 
Uh, oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I love Pete Wisdom. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like, during the 90s, when they finally promoted him to the X-Men, he went back to being, like, the, the hayseed rookie and, like, barely had any plot lines until that one time he fought Gladiator. Like, that was yeah, his they... one contribution for, I don't know, with, like, a three-year period. Yeah, they went very one note with him uh, during that. He had, he had real cool hair. <laughs> <laughs> very 90s. <laughs> that Joe Mad hair, man. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so um, have, I was looking at your, your, you know, been looking at your website uh, kind of in the run up to this. And, uh, you know, right on the homepage there, you've got kind of a lot of these other you know, sample pages from, from other projects. Are they sort of like a mix of, of plans for the future, kind of reminders of, of, of where you've been? You know, more than anything, it was just for a while, for so long, I'd been, um, I'd been at this like, like uh, a while, mm -hmm. you know, I've been making comics for probably like about 10 years in like a real, like actually like I'm really doing it uh, way. Um, I did like, kickstarter way back in the day like when like right when kickstarter was starting mm -hmm. uh for a thing and it, it it just kind of feels weird to just kind of abandon <laughs> abandon it all and more than anything it was like uh hey i, I do this when people ask me like uh <laughs> like oh yeah you're doing gowns i'm like yeah i do like they'll be out in a in a, a couple years but like here here's some stuff that i've done um so i think eventually those will kind of start to trickle off especially some of the pitches as much as i much as I like them, I, I don't know really what game there is. Maybe I'll put them in my newsletter and and uh, uh, kind of break down how it went. But um, so, so there's also uh, there's like one standalone story that I did uh, with Will Tempest um, that I really like called Wrinkled, and that's just free on there. Um, but yeah, they're they're just kind of that's my pitched graveyard in a way so a lot of them are ones that, that didn't that didn't go anywhere uh um, yeah um how uh you know you mentioned before you know you've got you've got a day job you've got uh, a daughter you know how do you kind of how do you structure your your writing time you know do you have time you know blocked out specifically or you know do you have to kind of you know uh, put it in, get it in there when you can um I, I have time now for the first time ever. My daughter's like in, or I shouldn't say the first time ever, first time in a while yeah. uh, since my daughter's been in, uh, born. Uh, she's in school five days a week. So I get like, I get like two, two hour bursts during that time. Then I'll do nights. Uh, and then, you know, when I have, I get to the bar like a half an hour early, all right. And just fit it in wherever I can. But I'm, I spend a lot of time writing. I'm definitely uh, able to fit in a ton. So compared to before where it would, um, it, my daughter would be at home with me um, while my wife was at work and you, you just really, you know, you wait until she's asleep to do anything. I or couldn't get anything done during the, that period of time, but uh, I'm just grateful, grateful to get to do it. It's <laughs> great. Um, I have my, uh, I have a daughter who is, uh, 20 months and, you know, I, I, I generally kind of like, 
I, I work like in the afternoon and, and, and evenings, but, uh, you know, when I'm home with her in the mornings, you know, that's generally when I'm working on the, uh, site, but it's also when she's kind of running around and trying to get into every drawer and cabinet <laughs> that she's not supposed to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. My, my daughter is a wonderfully hyper is very, very, very hyper. So yeah, there's, there's no, uh, there's no, not too much multitasking that can happen uh, with her. <laughs> uh, but uh, you've got, uh, you're going to be at uh, Emerald city coming up. Uh, yeah, I am. That's my, that's like turned into my favorite uh, convention by far. It's, it's just so, I, I mean, I haven't been to, to a ton, but um, mm-hmm. I, I love it there. The artist alley is just full of the best people. Um, and then I'm going just purely for fun. I mean, I'll, I'll be talking with uh, Oni will be there and I'll be talking with some other people that I'm working on books with but besides that I have no real plans I'm not going to be behind a, a, a table I just get to kind of enjoy it which I'm really looking forward to it's fantastic Emerald City is kind of like it's like my bucket list show like I can't like every year I'm like I'll get there just, yeah. just because of the size of that artist alley and like the, the yeah. caliber of the talent out there it's amazing yeah it's it's really like some of the best people are there every year um, I'm looking forward to, I'm going to go to ALA for the first time this year, uh, the library conference in uh, DC. Um, and then I'm going to go to New York City. Uh, Comic-Con is where uh, Unplugged and Unpopular will get its like release. Uh, so looking forward to both those I haven't been to. Matt, you sound like you're winding up to say something. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that's the, those are the sounds that I pick, that I make when I, remember the last time I was at New York comic-con in those crowds. Mm, mm. You know, I went, I went on the Friday last year and it really, it, it was not that bad. And I think being in the artist alley in the morning was good. Cause I got to walk around and actually like say hi to people, which I look forward to doing again uh, this year. So uh, I will have to make sure to say hello. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to catch up. That'd be cool. Do you, do you guys go to San Diego? Have you ever been to San Diego? No, haven't been. No, no I, I, again, crowds are not my friend. <laughs> oh, then that, that is really not the show. Yeah, that, that, that's, it is just uh, very, very crowded. But I, I know a lot of people uh, in creators will give it some gruff because it's transformed into something else. But what a fun show. It's, <laughs> it's the whole entire town is taken over by it. It's really really a neat one a couple years ago a conference for my day job was in san diego and i was like wait is that the it's like oh it's the week after i was like okay i could see why probably the hotel rates are real cheap the week after comic-con so it's like that's how you can get 2000 theater it professionals in one hotel but poof yeah, during during it's the, the hotels can be very expensive. I stayed in a very very uh, not good hotel last uh, last year. Uh, that was uh, you know uh, a, a sink in the sink right next to the bed that was like that would you turn on it would just be a steady drop. <laughs> uh, oh boy. Some screaming neighbors. It was definitely a 
I I will not try and save money as much next year. <laughs> it wasn't worth it. Treat yourself to a nice Airbnb. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the plan next time. Oh man. So uh what are you reading now? Um so some of my favorite things that I've read recently were uh Hey Kiddo um by Jarrett Cross I can't say his last name, uh, Krasowska, Krasky. Um, but it's about, um, he grew up, uh, with, uh, his mom had some trouble with addiction. Um, and a lot of his family did. And it's, it's a seriously wonderful, wonderful book. Um, more for like upper middle grade YA, maybe some, the middle school age kids could handle it, but it's, uh, you know, he, he was raised by his grandparents and um, it just kind of looks like looks at what happens when you have a parent who has addiction. It's just just a really, really well done book. Um, I also really like um, uh, Making Friends. Um, by, it's a scholastic book by uh, Kristen Gudsnuck. Um, and that's just a really, really fun um, like fantasy realistic middle grade fantasy story um and oh and be prepared uh by vera broskel is like one of my favorite books i've read in the last year i'd say it's so good uh she it's another like semi-auto bio book and it's about her going to camp and uh just like feeling like an outsider she's uh, it's like a russian summer camp in america and she has uh Russian heritage, but doesn't fit in there. I don't know. It's really, really good. <laughs> Beautifully cartooned. Uh, well, Matt, as we are uh, wrapping up, how can people follow you online if you, in fact, wish to be followed? Oh, sure. I definitely wish to be followed. I want, I want people that read my books. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, my name is uh, Matt Haggerty, but it's spelled M-A-T-H-E-A-G-E-R-T-Y. Um, and that's my Twitter and also my website. Those are the two places to best look for me. I don't really do too much on uh, Facebook or, uh, or Instagram. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, Matt, thank you for uh, coming aboard. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is like my, my first podcast. It was fun. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Good for us. Yeah. <laughs> thanks guys. You're welcome. That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes and the ability to promote your work on our site, and $2 gets you a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. Big thanks to our first and foremost patron, Steve Morris from Shelf Dust and the MNT. Uh, you can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox. Finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views, and we'll see you next time. W-N-Q-A. W-N-Q-A.